Welcome to this episode of the Insights Podcast on the Huddle Network. I'm Don Mills. And I'm David Campbell. In this edition of the Insights Podcast, we have part two of our conversation with Tariq Haddad, the CEO of Peace by Chocolate. David, the, in this in this part of the conversation, we really look at the sort of the development, establishment of the business and the growth of the business over a very short period of time. Peace by Chocolate was only founded in 2016. They're already in a thousand outlets across Canada. <laughs> They're doubling the size of their business every year. Um, they've already created 55 jobs in Anikanish with uh, their, they, you know, they hope to be able to double that in the, in the near future. And it's really a remarkable business success story, isn't it? Yeah. You, you and I have talked about this, you know, it's very difficult to start a low cost, low product, uh, low cost product business in Atlantic Canada like that, because you have to import your sugar, you have to import your cocoa, you have to import your, uh, oils, uh, your other flavors, almost everything is imported. And you have higher, in some cases, higher cost of electricity and, and utilities. So you really need to have a higher value niche product. And that's exactly what they're doing by linking the, 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 the unique flavors and this message of peace and this broader message of, of, of the connection between chocolate and peace. I think it's, it's, it's working very, very well for them. And I think they can be very successful in Anaganish. And I just wanted to say that, that it's very hard to decouple the, 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 the brand of Tariq from the brand of Peace by Chocolate. And that's been done very, very um, deliberately. So if you look at Tesla and Elon Musk, it's the same thing. Tesla does not advertise. They never advertise in traditional media or magazines or anything. They spend nothing on that. And yet they sell every car coming off the production line. They can't make enough. And so what Tariq is doing, it's very, very smart, is when he goes nationally across the country, you know, speaking about his story, speaking about his company and, and inspiring people with that story, that is a sales channel, right? Every one of those people in those audience becomes a customer. So I, I think the connection or the link between his personal brand and Peace by Chocolate, uh, you can't decouple the two. It's a good news story on the one hand, and it's he's been able to leverage that story uh, in a very positive way for business success as well. Yeah, and you know, obviously he's had uh, uh, quite a bit of support from the community to get to the current stage, including from Sobeys, who uh, I, I think uh, helped uh, him establish his uh, manufacturing facility, which uh, they've recently apparently doubled again in size, <laughs> you know, uh, which is obviously a sign of success. But you're right, um, uh, Tariq is a great ambassador for not just the company, but for immigrants and refugees and for, you know, the cause of peace, uh, you know, he's got it all kind of wrapped together. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things I was really, I don't know, but you, I was really impressed with how articulate he was in, in, in telling the story and how passionate a Canadian he's become. Isn't it funny that it's the newcomers sometimes that have a better appreciation for you know what we have in Canada, we tend to be negative sometimes. But you know, newcomers like Tariq really see the good that's happening in our country, and you know he has a very high opinion of the country, and um, and uh, and its uh, in its future. So that I found that uh, I also found that a bit inspiring, didn't you? Absolutely, and I think you know just tongue in cheek. I think there's a failure in the immigration system that that. Uh, None of those 15 countries could spot that this family had such entrepreneurial chops. And if they were to bring them into their country, they would create a successful company, uh, you know, with with potentially, you know, eventually hundreds and hundreds of jobs. Uh, and they're narrowly focused on the whole refugee thing. But they, there should have been a, a way of identifying, you know, that this this there's there was entrepreneurial capacity and intellectual property, as Tariq says. Yes, they didn't have capital. Yes, their factory was bombed, but the mindset, the understanding of the business was there and they were able to leverage that to build this new business. So I think probably the first question uh, when we're talking about uh, to, talking to refugees or economic migrants, it's, hey, are you, do you have entrepreneurial chops? And if they do, that should be a strike in their favor because this has worked out very well for them. It's worked out very well for Nova Scotia and it's worked out very well for Canada. 
Yeah, and to be clear, as Tariq said, their their factory in uh, Damascus, uh, which was bombed and destroyed, you know, they employed hundreds, hundreds of employees. They distributed all over the world. Um, you know, this is this is something they've done before, so they're going to be successful, obviously, doing it in Canada. So, a great story. Um, I, I I I hope that people will uh, will learn a lot about this experience um, and the value that people like Tariq and his family bring to Canada. So here's the second part of our conversation with Tariq Haddad. Tariq, welcome to our podcast. Don, thanks so much for the opportunity. A great pleasure. Let's start with the story. Uh, now that you're in Canada, Peace by Chocolate, I guess, began in 2016, right? That's correct. You founded the company, and we understand your father was instrumental in uh, establishing Peace by Chocolate. But you also had help from within the community getting started. Can you tell us about the community's support you received in the early days of establishing your business and maybe a little bit about the challenges you faced, uh, you know, creating a new business in a new country? You know, uh, for me, I come from uh, an academic uh, medical background, but uh, for I, I knew actually about the business background that uh, our family had for a long time in Syria, for decades and decades, since 1986. So when we came to Canada, it was uh, really an easy decision for us to um, to take the entrepreneurship from the concept of just building a business for our family to bringing it to life to give back and contribute to our new country that we are so proud to call home. And during that time frame, you know, that transition had led us to discover uh, a new abilities for entrepreneurship to be that life-changing vehicle, not only for ourselves, but also for our community. So I remember, you know, the early days of my dad starting the chocolate business in Syria, as he used to tell me before I was born, uh, about, you know, the, the hardships that he had to live through to even think about uh, opening a, a food establishment uh, facility, opening and registering the business in Syria, which took him years and years, something that we were able to finish in Canada within one month. You know, we registered the business, we got our licenses, we had our trademarks. So there is so much to be grateful for, for the business uh, easiness and encouragement in, in Canada that a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people who want to open their businesses, they are very scared to do. And I'm really um, you know, very hopeful that a lot of people really would discover the value of these resources that are available out there for entrepreneurs who just want to start their, their businesses. For me and for my family, you know, we are a, now a family-owned business. It all started at the home kitchen, right, in Antigonish, when my family decided that uh, you uh, you'd just start one piece of chocolate at a time. You don't need to create that chocolate empire in one year. Let's just let 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 it take its time. And then we started selling at farmers markets. Uh, we actually went the first time we have made the first pieces of chocolate. We went to a community potluck, and uh, everyone would bring their own dishes. We had a lot of food made, but also we brought chocolate. A lot of people enjoyed the food, but they certainly mostly enjoyed the chocolates. You know, <laughs> it was something very exotic to them because of the flavors that my dad really used at the time. And uh, using, imagine, the first few chocolate pieces that we created in the home kitchen, we surrounded around the middle aisle. We were surrounded around the middle aisle as a family in the home kitchen. And someone was just, you know, cleaning up the ice molds, you know, and uh, they were will be like heating up the pots and using the two layers just to create that, you know, that uh, the, create enough heat for the cocoa beans and the cocoa butter to mix properly and to the crystallization to happen. That was all in the stove in the home kitchen. And then we were able to mold a few pieces of chocolate and, uh, you know, use the flavors um, that we got from local suppliers here in Antigonish. And then we went to that potluck and everyone was like, this is out of this world, out of this world. And that was really a huge, you know, feedback. Like that was the first review. That was the first five-star review probably we got <laughs> uh, from the community. And it was absolutely helpful. It was very... Uh, you need that sense of encouragement if you are starting a business in any community. So after that, we registered to go to the Winter's Market, uh, which was at the uh, at the mall in uh, in Antigonish. When we saw 
a line of people just waiting for us. And uh, it was absolutely fascinating that uh, the first batches of chocolate we made were all sold out in like 15 minutes. And then uh, we knew that people really want to support our business. Uh, people first came for the story and they wanted to support us. But then they came back because they really loved the product, you know. And uh, we had to be responsible for that. Like people were putting our trust, their trust in us. And uh, we had really to make uh, quick decisions around what are we doing? Are we expanding the business, creating more flavors? And actually the start of the business, uh, we did not call it piece by chocolate all, uh, you know, at, at once. It was like phased out. The first time, you know, we had the business was like the had has chocolate for peace or international peace or something. And then we went to a lot of events and we're like, this is too long. And then a friend of mine, uh, his, his name is Neil Stephen. He's the director of This Is Marketing. He would listen to me on an interview on CBC Radio. He would get my contact, call me. And it was like, let's set up a meeting. And then we would have sit around the dinner table. And then uh, we were talking, you know, about what to call the business. And I was like, uh, there are two things that are so important to me peace and chocolate and then the name of peace by chocolate just was born right around the dinner table at that time and then neil and the team would come back to us and be like you guys need a slogan and then we got the one peace won't hurt as our slogan and it was absolutely fascinating you know the uh the, the amount of uh, i think understanding and the amount of support that uh, our business received in the early days when people were connecting their own stories our stories and our fight for peace at the same time, our, you know, exuding uh, sophisticated chocolate products. That was absolutely, and still, it's, uh, I think, I'm very proud of what we are making. It's like really scrumptious. But at the same time, uh, I think starting uh, in Canada has given us that motivation. Uh, you don't need much to start a business here. You really just need a circle of support, uh, which is the community that has surrounded us with so much love. And I remember when we started the business we were like we cannot do chocolate we cannot make chocolate anymore on the stove we need a machine we need something called the chocolate wheel which was like our dream that was like a, a 20 kgs chocolate machine and then the community uh, community friends would come to me uh be like uh, you probably need to get out of the kitchen we went to the basement which would there was a little tiny room in the basement uh that could barely fit two people but we turned it into our first chocolate kitchen officially. And then we were kicked out of the entire house and from my by my mother. And then we opened a small shed next to our house, which a lot of people really have been to. But that whole uh, process, I remember, it was actually based on the fact that the community uh, believed uh, that kindness begets kindness, you know that compassion begets compassion. And they believe that uh, we as immigrants and newcomers have brought something unique and remarkable. And I think that's all about entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is all about being unique and remarkable, but also not only reaching success, but also seeking significance. And that's what we were seeking in the beginning. The community offered us uh, an interest-free loan uh, to buy that shed to create that chocolate, chocolate kitchen. And chocolate uh, empire, the, you know, the chocolate mansion that my dad was calling it, although it was like 16 by 12 uh, feet, but it was <laughs> really fascinating how it turned into a, a phenomenon that people really were just visiting from all around the country. And then we opened a, a big chocolate factory. We were able actually to pay back the uh, the loan, the interest-free loan. Within, uh, within two months, we were able to pay it all back, you know, because of we were selling so much chocolate at farmer's markets, at weddings, at conferences. We were surprised ourselves, you know. It's like, this is this is really going well. And then we opened a factory in Antigonish in 2017 with the support of uh, Sobeys, for sure. Uh, without their, their support in the early days, I don't think really we'd have been able to open a uh, uh, hundred times bigger factory than the one really we had earlier in the day. So uh, we have been uh, ever grateful really for everyone who joined and believed in us since we started the company. Uh, since the early days of the farmer's market to those who helped us and they came and volunteered their time to build our first chocolate shed, all the carpenters, the electricians, the plumbers, business counselors, anyone really who came and put a nail on the wall. Uh, I'm forever grateful because they did not know that they were making a dream come true for a family who lost everything. And now uh, we are so proud to be on the way, really, to 
built that uh, similar size company that we had in Syria for almost uh, 30 years here in Canada, uh, but with uh, a mission to spread peace and spread joy. And uh, I think that was really one of the main causes why we started this whole journey is because we believe chocolate makes happiness. And we believe that Canadians deserve that. In 2020, you became a Canadian citizen, so now you're officially one of us, Tariq. Uh, what was that like for you? Um, I believe that uh, becoming a Canadian citizen was absolutely the biggest honor of my life. Um, it was uh, one of the, the biggest milestones that I also had. And I think the value of that came after I lost my sense of belonging and I lost the place that I was uh, once calling home. Syria would always be my home by birth, uh, but Canada is my home by choice. And I think uh, as a Canadian by choice, you know, as a Canadian who chose uh, to, to come here and to apply for the citizenship, I believe that I started carrying on that responsibility of representing this country well, because every one of us is an ambassador to the country, whether, whether we know it or not. Um, Canada is the country of acceptance, compassion, respect, friendliness, democracy, uh, human rights, freedoms, country of peace, country of empathy. And I believe a lot of Canadians really forget the fact of how lucky we are, you know, to even imagine infinite possibilities and work so hard to create them. Um, I believe that, you know, in Canada, we breathe life into dreams and I see the world is following us into tomorrow. And at the same time, you know, for me, when I applied to become a Canadian citizen, it was mainly uh, for me to uh, celebrate really what this country is, is all about, to celebrate becoming uh, and belonging to a nation that is very well known around the world. But this positive branding that, that Canada has, that not a lot of countries around the world really uh, have the same brand that, that Canada has. Whenever I travel and I tell people, hey, I'm, I'm a Canadian, they would really know, you know, they would have this image in their minds, I guess, about, you know, uh, peacekeeping missions, for example, the positive roles that, that Canadians uh, play on the world stage. Uh, but it's funny, you know, that when, uh, when I met a lot of people in, uh, in the U.S., they would only, they would, they would tell me Canada is, you know, be like, oh, the Looney Tooney Double Double. I was like, you know, this is one part of us, you know, <laughs> they just talk about the real Canadian uh, impacts and achievements on the entire world, which has always been positive, which has all been instrumental. A lot of Canadians that I meet, even here in Canada, they would tell me they have been to Syria for peacekeeping missions with the United Nations. They, were, they went to the Golan Heights between uh, Syria, uh, Lebanon, Jordan, Palestine, Israel, and then they would be like, you know, talking about how they were involved in... Uh, in all these amazing accomplishments that kept the, 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 the region safe for a long time. And I think, you know, that at once, you know, I believed um, that uh, the world is, is one a big, beautiful place. But now I believe that it is, you know, the countries that shape up that world, really, that can create a better, uh, better planet, a better Earth, and uh, a better uh, future for all of us. But Canada certainly is leading the way by creating all these uh, incredible accomplishments and campaigns to keep the world really a little bit more positive with uh, uh, you know, opening the doors for immigrants and refugees, especially now in 2022, when we are still seeing that the world is still living in aggression and unrest. You, you know, if you show some of these the videos that we're still seeing on the news, no one's going to believe in 100 years that this is still happening in 2022. Like, how much is enough war? You know, how much is enough unrest around the world? How much is enough conflict? That's why I believe, you know, that uh, I'm now, you know, I, I belong to, um, uh, to a country that is uh, highly engaged on the world stage by, uh, by uh, giving up, uh, you know, all of our, uh, by giving all those um, uh, lessons of experiences that we had by welcoming people throughout history. But at the same time, when I became a Canadian citizen, I always reflected on the fact uh, we are on the way to to, per, uh, to be a perfect country, to be an excellent country. We are great. We have to learn from our history as a country, you know, because I know we, we were we, we are celebrating our our recent 150 150 um, 
uh, five uh, years, but also let's just reflect on all the lessons that shaped the history of the creation of Canada and how Canada is Canada that we know right now. All what happened really shaped our our history and our future. And I believe that newcomers sometimes they are uh, they are unaware of the history of this country. That's why when I became a Canadian citizen, I did not just sign up to the excellence of Canada. I also owned its mistakes and failures. And I said I will work so hard every day for reconciliation to learn the history and the injustices that Indigenous people had to live through you know, for uh, centuries and centuries. Those who have been on this land for 12,000 years. And if you ask anyone in Canada, those who were who are not indigenous, you know, we all came from somewhere, right? Like if you if you did not come from somewhere, then your parents came or your great great grandparents came from somewhere. So I think reflecting on the idea that we are all immigrants to this land, if we are not indigenous, then let's just celebrate really what uh, the connection might be between uh, those who were uh, on this land for, for a long time and for our recent arrivals. And I think that's going to create the harmony that's going to lead Canada into the future. Because again, focusing on, we have to know where we came from to know where we are going. And this is a lesson as well for Canada and Canadians to really know the real story of Canada and the real story of our history. Yeah, and it's good to connect those two streams, right? The immigrant stream and the uh, reconciliation with Indigenous populations. So I thank you for raising that. We'd like to turn now to the business, the Peace by Chocolate business. Uh, we've got a few questions we want to ask you about that. The first one is, Don and I are seeing that a lot of sectors of the economy are struggling to find qualified workers, particularly manufacturing. Um, have you had any difficulty finding qualified staff to work in your manufacturing plant? Um that was actually not a challenge in um, in the phase of the, the start of the business between 2016 and 2019. But certainly that had become more of a, an issue uh, after 2019 and until now. Uh, for example, now I'm talking to you um, at the peak of our season, you know, uh, the fall and leading up to the holidays is really busy time for us. And if there are 30 to 50 more employees, we could hire them right now, but there are none. And I truly believe in the huge, uh, the huge gap, you know, with uh, uh, labor availability. And uh, I am uh, very concerned, actually, about some of the businesses in our region that they have massive opportunities to grow, not only locally or provincially, but nationally and internationally. A lot of Canadian Nova Scotian companies, they are ready to export. They build the systems. They have the structure. They built the infrastructure really to support their plans. But now there is one piece, the major piece of the puzzle, the puzzle, you know, which is, uh, you know, hiring uh, uh, workers, you know, and, and finding finding staff uh, to work in uh, in manufacturing jobs or any other, any other jobs. And I think that's certainly going to be the challenge for the next while. Uh, we had to adapt. We had to adjust. We have to adjust as a company in terms of uh, our plans and what we are trying to do. But we are grateful that our situation is still a lot better than many uh, other, many districts, many districts around the world, many regions around the world who are suffering way more. Uh, we are really happy to see that a lot of uh, uh, people around uh, the country are stepping up to really. Uh, uh, support you know this this cause and make sure that we have a solution as soon as possible and i'm very happy to see the canadian immigration system is becoming more uh, flexible you know towards uh having uh, uh people coming from uh, away who want to immigrate to canada and you know get permanent residency and with all kind of uh, immigration streams we are seeing that uh, hopefully that that's going to uh, be really helpful. Immigration is a great solution, you know, to uh, to this issue uh, and I, to this problem. And uh, at the same time, I really want that solution not to be focused on bringing people here just because there is a job availability. We want people to come here to stay and we want people to come here to call this place home. Because if we solve this problem only with the dollar signs glasses, it's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to last forever. 
But if we solve this problem, when we put our humanity glasses on, our selflessness glasses on, I think the solution is going to last much longer. And that's why actually right now at the company, uh, we uh, we are trying to uh, create a little bit of a, a, a model you know, for for ourselves that we can rely on for our future plans, but also for uh, other businesses. We also started working before the pandemic started that I hope really this is going to be uh, coming back to life. We started creating a labor pool in Antigonish when we we were talking with other employers in town and we were discussing around the uh, the issue of, uh, you know, seasonal uh, employment with some of us. And we were like, if someone would work at certain companies, you know, during the year, whether it's winter, summer, and then coming into the end of the year, this is probably going to solve uh, full-time employment for a lot of people that they don't that does not uh, require them to uh, to migrate or to leave their hometowns or to leave their towns to find employment somewhere else. So uh, we are working on multiple solutions actually to, in terms of. Uh, uh, lab, the labor force uh, and labor labor availability, but uh, in the company right now, uh, we are uh, we are happy that uh, you know we are making sure we are creating the environment for people really to uh, belong in our company and to really feel that this is a place where uh, they are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anywhere else in the planet you know can can offer to them. But if they believe they belong in our company. I think that's that's the dream. That's the environment that we want to create for everyone who works with us. You made a commitment to uh, hire 50 refugees by 2022 and support 10 refugee startups to build their own businesses. Can you tell us where you are in that commitment, Tariq? Absolutely. Actually, we are. Uh, uh, we made the commitment in 2019 with 10 Partnership for Refugees with many other employers around uh, around the country, and uh, we actually have uh, not only hired uh, Syrian refugees or Afghan refugees, we also actually are hiring uh, Ukrainian uh, refugees who are just uh, uh, arriving in the country. Actually, right now, 10% of our workforce uh, is made out of uh, uh, people with Ukrainian uh, nationalities, and uh, we are very proud, you know, that uh, we were on track to really hit the target by the end of 2022, as per the commitment. Uh, but uh, what happened in our company, we had to shut down for almost three to four months in 2020 after the pandemic started until we were able to recreate our uh, safe safe zones, you know, for our staff to be able to come back to work. And at that time, it was uh, pretty challenging because we lost a lot of our trained staff. And we had to almost restart all over again in, in rebuilding our manufacturing team. And that was really a huge challenge on our part. So uh, we were back to the uh, numbers that that we had before the pandemic just around Valentine's year, Valentine's Day this year in 2022. So hopefully we are going to be able to fulfill that commitment by the end of uh, 2024. Uh, we are on the way to um, expand our uh, uh, workforce, not only on the factory and for manufacturing jobs or office jobs, administrative jobs, but also in uh, in our stores. So we opened a flagship store in downtown Halifax in the middle of the pandemic last year. And we are very happy that, you know, we are providing a platform as well for any immigrants or uh, for any refugees who want to uh, have a job, you know, with us and work. At, at our location in Halifax or here in Antigonish as we are hiring more people in our uh, retail store. The plan is to create as well an ambassadorship network across the country uh, to help us uh, tell the story more to as many communities as possible. So that's another path that we are uh, taking right now and discussing with many refugee uh, settlement organizations across the country who can connect us with refugees who are arriving in the country. And now actually one of the biggest challenge that we had is that uh, you know there are not a lot of refugees who are arriving in Nova Scotia, you know where our the the main uh, our our main operations really happen here in between Antigonish and Halifax, and that was really the challenge. Is like I really hope that Nova Scotia can take up more of the uh, you know the the percentages of refugees arriving in the country because we are a great province and just need I really think that we can push harder a little bit on uh, immigration office officials really to see and to introduce Nova Scotia to those refugees who do not want to end up in 
in Toronto or in, in Edmonton or Calgary or in Vancouver because we really have a lot to offer. So really promoting and marketing Nova Scotia to newly arrived immigrants can really help in uh, the overall goal for businesses and for uh, our province as a whole. Uh, let's talk for a minute about the growth of your business. Uh, you recently opened, obviously, new manufacturing facilities in Andikanish. Uh, you have your new uh, flagship um, uh, retail operation in Halifax. Can you tell us about the growth in employment since establishing the business and perhaps a little idea about the growth of your sales? We don't need the, the real number, just the percentage kind of. That would be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the company started as um, it was just uh, – uh, me, my dad, and uh, my family were just uh, helping at the time. And then uh, we had our first employee, I guess that was in uh, uh, April or May 2016. And then we grew from there, actually, since we opened the, the factory uh, to hire um, 15 employees, I guess, by the end of 2017. And we were set to double the size of the company when we had uh, the uh, the deals with national distributors, including uh, Sobeys, and uh, we had our first e-commerce platform that we opened uh, back then. So, you know, we have increased our employment by almost uh, 50% every year since um, we opened the factory in 2017. And to really, we lost all of our staffing, all of our staff in, in the pandemic when it started, when we when we had to rehire again, we had to retrain. Uh, we are we were back at the normal at the uh, uh, 50 to 55 employees as we started uh, the year in 2022. But uh, we really have big goals right now to add a lot more staff as we double the size of our factory here in Tuganish. We bought new lines of machinery uh, as well. And we are investing a lot in the infrastructure in the business to be able to create uh, more product lines as well. Um, but at the same time, our um, our sell, our sole focus right now is really diversifying our sales channel and diversifying our uh, goal in the business in terms of uh, where are we selling and who are we selling to. And since we started in the company, um, that goal was a little bit to be in the 90% focus on distributing to retailers across Canada. And now pretty much we are broken evenly between our retail focus ourselves within our own retail stores to our e-commerce, uh, where we ship literally to every corner of the planet right now, uh, to our retailer uh, distribution that really grew from one partnership with uh, uh, in one partnership in 2018. Now we have almost uh, 10 to 12 major partnerships with major companies across the country, including uh, Sobeys, including Loblaws, including Hudson Bay, Save on Foods, and uh, many other incredible uh, retailers really, that we are working with right now. And we are trying certainly to expand our network from there. Our products as of now are available in a thousand plus stores across Canada. And uh, we are really proud that uh, this network has been, I mean, the journey has not been easy, certainly, you know, with a lot of pumps on the road, especially the uncertainty in the business landscape over the past two and a half years that had changed a lot in the consumers, in the consumer behavior and the priorities for retailers and for partners. But we are very proud now that we have created kind of the foundation for our business to be sustainable for the long run. And uh, our hope really is to uh, hopefully get one, once we have, uh, uh, you know, enough, uh, enough staff, once we have enough uh, people to join our team, hopefully we're going to hit uh, major targets for us uh, starting in 2023. So I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your growth plan. So you, you, you say your chocolate is being distributed across the country through these partnerships. Do you have any plans to set up new retail stores elsewhere? You've got the flagship in Halifax. Do you have plans to do more of your own retail uh, in the future? Well, I mean, that all really depends about how we see you know, the um, everything unfolds over the next uh, uh, six to, to 12 months. Um, I truly believe that it was the right step to open a retail shop in downtown Halifax on the boardwalk in uh, one of the most modern buildings east of Montreal at the Queen's Mark. Uh, and we have seen, actually, it was really encouraging to see tens of thousands of tourists coming to Halifax this summer. And I truly hope that uh, that we're going to see that trend continuing next year, even though 
as all the indi- all indications uh, you know are leading us towards um, uh, you know inflation impacted the economy with and and uh, hopefully we're not going to see a recession but really the goal for us is really to keep an eye out on uh, where consumers are and where people really are following our our brand we don't sell chocolate we really sell peace we are in the business of peace more than chocolate and i believe in the message that we are putting out there that can really appeal to not only to Canadians, but people who are coming from away, people who are coming from everywhere around the planet. Uh, for example, you know, we've seen a lot of people coming from the U.S. this summer uh, with cruise ships landing on the Halifax boardwalk, coming to our store. They have not heard about our story. And some of them watched the movie probably on the planes. And they're becoming, oh, yeah, we know this brand. They would come into the store and they would try to see all of our product line. I mean, the goal for us of opening the retail store in the first place was because it's impossible with any distribution network you have to sell 200 products to any customer at once. Like, no matter where, where you sell your product, whether it's Sobeys, Loblaws, uh, Costco, it does not really matter. You cannot sell 200 SKUs to one customer, and no one is going to carry all this. The thing about our brand, it's 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 one story. It's very comprehensive. You need to see everything. You need to see our Peace Bar collection. You need to see our classic boxes. You need to see our celebration bars. But also you need to see the bars where we donate proceeds to Canadian Mental Health Association, to Refugee Hub, to Indigenous communities, to help with causes like the uh, Peace for Ukraine, where we donated to the Red Cross for uh, support, uh, you know, the Red Cross with many campaigns that's happening right now to support Pakistan and Fiona Relief. All of that is one piece. You know, you cannot break that puzzle. You know, you cannot break that story. You cannot break that cycle of of products that we create, of messages. That's why we were so happy to have one place where people can go around and learn about the mission for our business to really be in that whole business of peace and sell that peace to to everyone because everyone wants peace. Everyone deserves a little bit of uh, quality chocolate in their in their uh, life. So uh, we're really happy that we were able to open that uh, store in uh, 2021. But uh, our plan, hopefully, is going to depend a little bit the next year. We're going to keep an eye out as we are finalizing our five-year strategy coming in 2023. Yeah, I think the store in Halifax really is a tourism draw. Every time we're, we're in Moncton, every time we come, we go down and we visit and purchase at your store. So I, I applaud you for that. Uh, when you were in Syria, you actually were exporting as far away as Belgium. Do you have any international expansion plans? A hundred percent. You know, we have been really talking about exports since uh, 2019, and we really had a, a massive uh, export plan that was just a little bit uh, shelved for two years. Now we took it, uh, you know, uh, off the shelf, and uh, we were uh, we are getting back to really learning a little bit about the international market, working with uh, Canadian trade commissioners outside the country. And because of our movie distribution, we are following that trend about where we are seeing the appeal for our uh, customers and for our customer base. Uh, so hopefully, we're going to see more export partnerships coming into effect uh, with the business with our company. Uh, starting uh, by, uh, you know, the, the summer or end of uh, 2023. We've been working with uh, some companies and some business counselors and export counselors, uh, whether it's through the government channels or through, uh, you know, the private sector in uh, many countries around the world, including the United States, Europe, and the Middle East. Uh, but our, our sole focus certainly is to start exporting more to the United States. Now our business only exports B2C in the U.S. And our goal certainly is to have more uh, wholesale, a bigger wholesale network across uh, many, uh, many states in, in, uh, in America. Because we really believe that our message resonates a lot in, uh, in many places across the U.S. first. And I truly believe that this could be achievable in uh, the in the near future so you talked earlier about working the online channel Uh, can you give us a rough sense of what percentage of your sales now are from online orders uh almost almost 30 percent actually of um, of our Mm. sales really come from uh online channels and uh, we have felt that uh, a lot of people really moved uh, to the digital world during the pandemic um, because we were just getting a lot of orders, so many points, we had to shut down our website. 
you know, we shut down our website since we started in 2016 because we had a lot of orders. But at that time, we didn't have a factory. We had just had that little shed. And now hmm. we shut down our uh, our website multiple times during the pandemic because we were seeing a lot of orders coming through that we were unable really to fulfill because it was like uh, uh, the increase in, in, in how many people really were just moving their entire shopping online was very... Uh, significant it was really outstanding that's why we have made a lot of changes to our website to make it to make it really easy for people to navigate through the, the site we invested a lot in in our uh, digital uh, uh, presence uh, whether it's on our website or our social media platforms and uh, with many partners even online to sell our product as well so um, yeah right now we have uh, our main online website for uh, for consumers, for uh, for our audience across the country. We also have another website for our retailers. Like if you are a gift shop somewhere in Salmon Arm in BC or in Edmonton or in somewhere in uh, uh, Windsor, Ontario, you can go on our way on wholesale website, sign up to be a vendor and you would get your product. You will get your product next week. You know, this is as easy as for gift shops and airports and museums across the country. So we have a national lead on on that, but also focusing a lot on digitizing our uh, sales channels have been a huge focus, you know, making sure that our uh, digital platforms are all up to date and they are really uh, compliant with whatever the consumers and customers are expecting right now. And I believe that the big, uh, you know, e-commerce platforms are not making it easier for small businesses to compete. They are not, uh, you know, uh, leveling the, the the playing field. It's It's really difficult for smaller e-commerce platforms really to survive in the age of Amazon and the and eBay and uh, you know a lot of uh, the platforms out there so i really hope to uh, continue you know growing our e-commerce website but at the same time we have been seeing the that huge shift by consumer behavior uh, because once the the world has opened up starting this year a lot of people just did not shop online anymore. They started going into stores. They want to have the ex- experience, you know. So balancing between the ordering from the comfort of your couch to really finding something to do on a Saturday, you know, uh, that's what we are trying to do is creating the experience for people who want to visit stores, but also giving them the option to order online where we can ship right to their doorstep. Uh, we just have a, a couple of questions left. <clears throat> Tarika, you were involved in supporting peace projects, obviously, under the name One Peace Won't Hurt. Can you tell us a little about that work? Because it seems to be a big focus for you and your family. Absolutely. So um, in 2016, the company really started officially on the on the social side and the contribution side to many organizations that they have a lot of community projects focused on. Peace in in different terms, you know, peace mean different things to different people. And that happened after the wildfires in Fort McMurray in Alberta. That's when I came home and I would see my family and my parents would be uh, would be really tearing up. And they'll be uh, they'll be telling me that they know how it feels like to lose everything and being asked just to to leave your home and your belongings and your memories. And uh, after one month, we actually established a campaign with the relief efforts, Red Cross and many other organizations uh, to donate all the proceeds from our sales during the month of May 2016 to the Red Cross and to the relief efforts and to the relief organizations. Uh, and actually, that was the start of, of something that we're so proud of right now called the Peace on Earth Society. So Peace by Chocolate is the, the brand, is the, the business. The Peace on Earth Society is our social wing in the company where we have, it's the umbrella that covers a lot of our partnerships with uh, indigenous communities like Bucknikik next to uh, next to Antigonish, uh, Refugee Hub throughout our Welcome to Canada campaign, uh, Canadian Mental Health Association throughout our Peace of Mind chocolate bar where proceeds would go to, uh, to the organization, uh, but also a lot of the recent partnerships that includes the Nursing Homes of Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia Association. Uh, where we created the campaign called the Hero Bar to celebrate uh, nurses and long-term uh, care workers that they are saving the dignity for our for the elders in in the community. And I truly believe in the power of business to create meaningful partnerships, like and to be reactive. You know, business is all about leadership, and I truly believe that companies can do 
a lot of work to be there for their communities. The Peace on Earth Society is where we donate three to five percent of our profit to many other causes around uh, the, the the country and the world. In addition to all those partnerships, like when we created Peace for Ukraine earlier this year with the Red Cross, we fund we almost fundraised a hundred thousand dollars in two weeks um, throughout the sale of our Ukraine bar, but also throughout the portal that we established. I believe that every every business right now. Um, has an audience, whether it's national or internationally, use that voice, use that platform to do something good. Business exists right now to serve a community, serve that community well. And that's why actually uh, we have, uh, there are a lot of partnerships for me really to remember, but a lot of them um, are really all based on the fact that uh, we can do a lot, even with a chocolate bar, even when we fundraise to uh, to an organization uh, that is doing something good for a small community, uh, we are so proud, really, to uh, to to be that change, to create that change, and that's not you know that's uh, that's not ending soon. Actually, it's it's really just growing. Our number of partnerships has grown significantly since uh, 2019, um, and right now, actually, just for uh, this year, we announced on the International Day of Peace. That we are gonna, uh, we partnered with the Institute for Economics and Peace, uh, that they are very well known for the Global Peace Index, um, and uh, we actually are gonna create 100 peace ambassadors by the end of 2024 uh, by positive peace workshops. We're gonna send those peace ambassadors across the globe uh, to in areas of conflict. Uh, they will be trained in in uh, in those areas of conflict throughout the experts at the IEP. And we're going to just see how that real-life implementation of what peace really could mean. And uh, the company really is very proud to continue the efforts to build uh, more peaceful partnerships with many organizations. Well, Tariq, I, I, you know, I really applaud you and your, your, your family for the support of, uh, of, of those initiatives. A lot of, uh, a lot of companies could uh, you know, learn from your, from your uh, good work. Finally, I, I'd just like to ask you, uh, what do you see as the future for your business? What are, what are your big goals for the, for the business looking ahead? Since I uh, came to Canada, I, um, I really had that passion towards creating um, a chocolate empire again, you know, instead of the one that we lost back home in Syria. And uh, it was like, for me, let's just do it. Let's do it in five years. And then I, I was like, you know, just a few years ago, I was like, let let everything take it, its time. You know, there's no rush. What if we reach our goal in five years? Then what? You know, what could we, uh, you know, what could we do more? And then really, I realized that just, you know, there is there's always time to reach our goals. And I think the sense of fulfillment for a business and the sense of achievement is not at the finish line. It's during the process. It's during the everyday conversations that, that that we have. It's during every hiring staff that they believe in what we believe in. So I really believe that, uh, yes, there is time for us to build a chocolate empire, a big chocolate empire here in Canada. There is an opportunity. Like uh, you uh, you really cannot imagine the impact that uh, th- that of the storytelling for our brand that has had on many people that I have met. Wherever I go, wherever I'm on stages, wherever I just go for to do a book signing, I uh, just meet people from all walks of life. That they would come to me and say that uh, uh, they are so proud, you know, to have learned about uh, our story. Uh, and I tell them that our story is just uh, one of millions. You know, we have a lot of really great Canadian stories that need to be told, need to be highlighted, and. Uh, at the same time, a lot of people, people will come to me and say, but not all refugees have had that much success. Not all immigrants have had that much success. And actually, I would tell them, we probably are not telling the general rule. We are telling what's possible. When the recipe of kindness, passion, and drive with determination and motivation from those newcomers arriving in a place like Antigonish, we do not take any credit you know, for... Uh, for the the big success that we had in the early days. It's all about the community that had been there for us because if it did not come to the community of Antigonish, we would still be living as refugees back in Lebanon with triple suffering, with war, 
with con economic conflict with a pandemic. Imagine. So I really believe that, you know, the community had saved our lives. And whatever we are doing right now is just about giving back and contributing to the place that we're so proud to call home. But at the same time, Peace by Chocolate will continue, uh, hopefully, to be a positive example in a, in a corporate world. You know, when a lot of uh, businesses and CEOs, the only thing they care about is the financial statements. When they, the only thing they care about is the balance sheet, the income statement. Those statements are lazy. They don't tell you the full story. They don't tell you about the people. And they don't tell you about, uh, about the struggles and the challenges that people have. And I think that's why a lot of CEOs and a lot of businesses just take the hiring and firing as, you know, a scratch on a paper when they're really impacting lives and livelihoods of their team. So I really hope to, uh, to see Peace by Chocolate as one of the top five chocolate companies, but without now a deadline. I'm not putting a deadline on it. <laughs> let it let it take its time. Uh, let uh, we're gonna see hopefully how uh, how everything unfolds over the next uh, month and uh, and year, especially coming out of the pandemic. But at the same time, really, uh, we are enjoying. You know, that's really what matters is we are enjoying what we are doing. We are enjoying the difference that we are making in uh, in people's lives and changing minds. And we are gonna continue telling the story. But really, some of our, my big goals really is to see Peace by Chocolate available. On, uh, on major shelves, on every major shelf in Canada within the next uh, two years and really hopefully building that international network uh, uh, for the business, you know, in, uh, in the next uh, decade or so, really seeing how people might interact with a, with a brand like, uh, like ours. Because again, uh, peace by chocolate, peace and chocolate are the perfect marriage. Everyone, everyone wants peace. Everyone loves chocolate. And without peace, no one can go to work. No one can build businesses. You cannot raise kids. You cannot do anything without it. Actually, we cannot record this without peace. So connecting to the, the, the hearts and the souls of people actually is, is something that very, very, we're very proud to do. One piece of chocolate at a time. On that note, Tariq, uh, it's been a great pleasure to have you on our podcast and learn about your personal story and about your uh, inspiring business story. We wish you continued success. We will follow your 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 growth. Uh, we'll watch it carefully as you as you build a, a successful business out of Nova Scotia, which is a passion of both uh, both Don and I. So thank you so much uh, for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for having me. It's been an honor. Thanks, Tariq. You've been listening to the latest episode of the Huddle Insights Podcast. Mark Legere helped produce this episode. You can follow the show and listen to past episodes on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed listening, please recommend the show to a friend. Don and David will be back again next week.